Hello and welcome to another episode of the One of Entrepreneur, the podcast about what's really like to bootstrap a company. My name is Tiago and this is our time, the time where we get to sit down and speak with each other about indie hacking. It's a one-sided conversation, to be honest. It's mostly me doing the talking. But I love when you send me messages on Twitter at WBTiago, just chatting about what you have heard in this podcast or giving me your opinion or just sharing your own struggles. So make sure to do that so that this is not such a one-sided conversation. This is the time where I basically look back into my week of indie hacking and I share the high points and the low points with you. And I really, really appreciate this. To be honest, if it wasn't for this little time we have together, I probably would have quit long, long time ago. So thank you. Thank you so much. As well, I have now launched a way for you to support this podcast. I interview a lot of people and I spend a lot of time building this and I don't want to go the advertisement way. I don't want to take time from uh, your your day just to speak about advertisers. So you can now support this podcast with only $3 per month. It's not that much, but it will really make a difference, not only in my motivation, but as well monetarily. I mean, I'm in the hacker. I'm not making a lot of money, so it really helps to have this kind of support. So the link will be in the description. It's You can use the Buy Me Coffee platform and it's $3 per month. If you want, you can support me that way and I really, really appreciate it. In today's episode, I'll be speaking about three really interesting topics. I'll start by speaking about what they say to be the biggest tech conference in in the world, the Web Summit. I it was a year in Lisbon, and I participated. All the days I went to the parties, I really, really lived the Web Summit life, and I I, I want to tell you all about it, what I've learned, and as well what I would do better or different next time if I go again to the Web Summit. Second of all, I want to speak about the launch of the Indie Lottery. We launched it on Monday. And uh, as any launch, at least for me, I always put the expectations really, really high. And in the end, well, it never really matched those super high and achievable expectations. So I want to speak a little bit about that and what we were able to accomplish and what are next steps. And then last but not least, I want to speak about what I believe to be one of the key points of making a successful indie product, which is something that I've discussed with Tony Dean. I released this episode on the last Sunday, so maybe you already heard it, about viral loop and how can we implement this kind of viral loops into our indie projects. I want to speak more about that and as well how I'm planning to implement this into my community, into the indie lottery and in any project in the future. And I really believe that you should try to do the same. So it's a packed episode full of indie hacking. Let's get started. Seven years ago, I left Lisbon. I left Portugal, the country where I was born and lived for 22 years, was it? 22, 23 years? And I was seven years living abroad. It's an experience that I recommend to everyone. Leaving the country where you were born to experience a different culture, I think it's crucial for you as a human being. And I really believe that if more of us would do this, 
I think people would be much more tolerant because the this opportunity of going abroad and living in a different culture, living in Germany. So I went from a southern country with a certain country culture to a northern country here in Europe where, well, people say that they follow more the rules, they are more strict, they are more cold. So it was really interesting to see this different perspective in all aspects of life, not only in the personal life, but as well in the professional life. And I was also fortunate enough to be able to meet people from all over the world, from all continents. So that was really, really, really amazing. When, seven years after, I decided to return to Portugal, I was afraid. I was afraid that I wouldn't identify myself with the Portuguese culture anymore. And I remember one of my friends that I met in Germany telling me that as an expat, when you spend more than a few years in a new country, you start feeling weird because you feel that you are too foreigner for home, but you also don't feel like a local. So I was kind of afraid of that. And returning to Portugal, I have to be honest, in the beginning, it seemed that the culture would kind of be the same. But then I kind of started realizing that the city that I left seven years ago is now completely changed. And, and there are many, many reasons for that. First of all, the low cost started to fly to Portugal from all over Europe. And suddenly this country that everyone's thought to be kind of similar to Spain opened up. And people realized that we are not like Spain. Our culture, our mindset is quite different. And if, if I may say so, I think that in all the southern countries, our culture, the Portuguese culture, is probably the closest to the northern countries. We are not as open and as extrovert as maybe Italians or Spanish or even uh, Greece, Greeks. So I think that people started really enjoying it. And I remember being in Germany and hearing a lot of my friends saying that they really liked Portugal. They loved the weather and the mindset and the people. So because of that, a lot of people started to, to move to Portugal. And another reason why Portugal became kind of a point, a reference point in the map of a lot of, uh, especially entrepreneurs, is because of the Web Summit. The Web Summit is this huge tech conference. Just for you to understand, this year, this conference alone brought 70,000 people to Portugal, to Lisbon, which is an absurd amount of people and all of them in the tech area, entrepreneurs, developers, marketeers, designers from a big, big range of areas. And everyone comes to Lisbon and everyone kind of discovers what Lisbon has to offer. And, and because of that, our mayor, the mayor of Lisbon, started to really creating support and, and even the government, the government of Portugal started creating a lot of support to expats and there's a lot of people that are especially in portugal that are not super happy with this because this also means that the rents are a bit higher i love it like personally i love the fact that people with different cultures are coming to portugal and people as well with money people that have money to spend and they are really thinking about setting roots in portugal i love that and 
somehow this made the transition, the transition back to Portugal for me much, much easier because I hear English everywhere and I meet so many indie hackers and people with the same mentality as the expats I, I met in Germany. So one of the big reasons for that is definitely the Web Summit. So I was very curious to go and visit this conference. This conference has been happening for the past, I believe, five, six years here in, in Lisbon. So I really wanted to go. And this year I got free tickets. Tickets are really, really expensive, by the way. They cost around 900 euros. But I really believe that a lot of people are able to get free tickets. I got tons of free tickets this time. I brought a lot of my friends to the conference and I met as well a lot of uh, indie hackers, some people that actually listen to the podcast I met in the conference. Uh, for example, it was a really, really interesting story. I was uh, in, a, in kind of a meetup, a meetup that we organized. And uh, one person, Andre, he said, hey, I think I recognize your voice. And I was like, uh, why? And I was like, wait, I listened to your podcast and I, I love it. I was, I felt so, so good. Like someone recognized me by my voice. That, that's such an interesting experience. Um, so let, let's now speak about the conference. Let, let me first, first of all, tell you that how it is organized. So the conference happens here in Aispo, which is an area here in Lisbon. It's a big, big area with a lot of pavilions. So it's it's an area that is often a lot of conferences happen there. And uh, it's a huge range. It's really, really big. And you have like five pavilions, if I'm not mistaken. There were five big pavilions. And in each pavilion, you had stages where you could listen to conferences. You had the uh, booths or like of companies that pay to be there. And then you have the alpha companies. Alpha companies have a a different kind of ticket. So if you remember last year, I actually got an alpha ticket or I got the, the possibility to buy an, an alpha ticket. And basically this gives you two or three tickets that you can use plus one day where you have a booth where you can showcase your startup. Last year, I won that we changed it. I decided not to go. Everyone told me not to go. But this year, there was a lot, a lot of people doing that. So... Most of my time was spent networking with these people, like understanding what is the market doing and what are people investing and what are these companies. I went with a good friend of mine, Sven, and he was here last year as well. And he told me, Tiago, there's no point in going to the conferences, the talks. The talks are actually not that good. Just go and network. Try to network as much as you can. And network I did. For the past year, I've been working from my home and it felt quite lonely, especially for an extrovert like myself. So in this one week, I get like an injection of networking. In the beginning, it was a bit awkward to start conversations with people. By the end, I was really, really used to that and it was really, really cool. So let me just speak quickly about the, the talks. First of all, there were a lot. There was an app where you could just basically create your schedule. In the end, I mostly didn't go to any talk. I only went to the big ones. For instance, the first lady of Ukraine was there, uh, uh, minister, some, I'm not sure if it's the vice president, someone from the, um, the, um, the government of Ukraine was also there speaking about how tech can re revolutionize the, um, the war and how this is happening and how 
uh, these new technologies are being used in this war in Europe. So a lot of these were interesting. Other talks I tried to participate, but they were just not good. I mean, they were boring. There was a lot of people and they were very, very superficial. So there was nothing that I could really learn from the talks. Now, about the alpha tickets, that was the interesting part. That was the really, really fun part. I basically went from booth to booth and I asked them to pitch their company and to speak about it. And there were some, it's interesting to see that there are some people that are really good at it. Some people that the moment they start speaking, you immediately get engaged and you can see the passion. And some others that are really, really bad. So you had the whole spectrum. I did take some notes and I, I don't want to bore you too much, but let me just tell you about a few interesting companies that I found. One, for example, was uh, a company that uh, was being developed to to explore the Web3 market. And the idea is, imagine, uh, actually, I, I'm mistaken, it's not the Web3 market, it's the augmented reality market. So imagine a Canva, you know Canva, the software that allows you basically to anyone to design um, like banners and logos and everything. It's a Canva for the augmented reality world. You can create art that then can be seen using a phone, but you can see it as as something in 3D. So I, I found that really an interesting concept. And uh, the idea of this, uh, this uh, company was to create also a marketplace, which is really interesting. Like imagine you, you are able to buy this kind of augmented reality art and you can show it to your friends through your phone. So I found that really, really interesting. Then there was uh, companies as well exploring the remote work world and market. For instance, there was a company called Rome.world that basically helps companies figure out the risk of uh, having an employee abroad. So as you know, Still, we are doing this transition in into this fully remote world. And a lot of companies allow you to be fully remote as long as you are in the same country as the company. For example, I have a friend working in Germany and they can only be maximum one month outside of Germany because more than that, the insurance would not cover. So this company allows these, um, these other companies to figure out how risky it is to have their employees outside of their country and if they can even do that with their current insurance. So that's really interesting, already exploring this uh, new market. Then there was a lot of companies transcribing podcasts. There's a lot of companies transcribing like meetings, which I found really interesting. There were like three or four companies were uh, developing software that creates meeting notes from Zoom meetings. So again, exploring the remote and the Zoom and everything. Then there was a company called Muse.ai that basically allows you to search videos, which is really cool for content creators. So let's say you have thousands and thousands of hours of videos, and this basically scans the whole video and translates everything into text so that you can easily search for it. Then um, there were there was this company. It's interesting because some companies you would look at them and you would read the description. You would think, okay, this is shit. Like it's it's this is one of those ideas that would go nowhere. But then you hear the pictures and you think, wait, maybe it's really cool. One of these companies was called Native-Spaces.com, and uh, basically 
it's an Airbnb for event organizers. So as an event organizer, you are always trying to find interesting, cool spaces, but it's really a very niche, um, still very social kind of business and you need to know people. So here, you, if you have a cool space, let's say you have a warehouse, you have a pavilion, you have like a really cool flat with an amazing view or a terrace, you can just post it on this platform and event organizers can rent this from you and pay you. So this is actually a really, really interesting company and I was super excited to um, to hear from it because at first I thought, okay, this is uh, not good. Another company called ReachDesk.com is a company that basically facilitates giving gifts to CEOs. What? It's so niche. So basically, um, this to, to improve the cold DMs and, and the sales, you know, you're trying to sell something B2B, most people will ignore you. But sometimes if you send them a gift, they will... Uh, it will basically make them notice you. And so that's also some uh, service that it's offered to companies. So there were a lot of B2B. That's something that I realized, not a lot of B2C, because again, we know that B2B is where the money is and it's so much easier to make money with B2B. So there were a lot of B2B companies. Now, the other aspect of the web summit is networking. And for that, you also have the parties. You have what they call the night summit. Every day, there is a different venue where you have different parties. And they're really interesting. Like the parties would have interesting bands playing and everything. So my game plan was always to go there, look at people's badges and ask them to pitch their company and I had great conversations with people I, I got to know a lot of people but and it's crucial here to know how to start a conversation but as well how to finish a conversation because sometimes you you have heard enough you know about their company but you just want to move on you want to hear other companies so you need to be really agile and to know okay thank you so much let's let's scan each other's badge let's exchange contacts but now I want to go and network with other people. I got really good doing that. In the beginning, it was a bit awkward. To be honest, there are some exchanges that are simply not good. There are some exchanges where it, the conversation does not flow naturally and it's a bit awkward. It's normal. Or some people just, they don't want to talk with you. They'll be like, okay, sorry, don't want... Actually, that happened. <laughs> I'm not joking. Uh, to be honest, I had already drank a few beers and I point to someone and said, pitch your startup. And they were like, uh, no thanks. And they left. <laughs> It was. It was. It felt a, li a little bit awkward, but uh, it's normal. After three or four days of doing this, I was completely used to by this kind of awkwardness, and I just keep, and uh, you know, just start hanging out with other people. It really helped not be alone. My friend Sven is super extrovert, so it was really good to be with him because we were like this unstoppable team. In in the end, in the last day of the web summit, and I I promise this is the last thing I'm going to talk about uh, this topic. We actually organized our own private party. Like we have met so many people that we decided to do a little networking event in a bar nearby, and we met just a few people. And in one hour, we had like 15, 16, to, I think, yeah, even more people in this bar drinking beers. And it was mostly indie hackers, and it was super, super fun. So I think that's also the power of the web summit. Just to conclude, a lot of people felt overwhelmed because there were so many things going on 
But I really believe that the power of the WebSAM is to bring 70,000 people to the same place. So imagine the private parties, imagine the networking, imagine the business deals that could be done there because everyone is together and you can just like network. And there were for sure a lot of this kind of private parties going on. Next year, if I come again to the Web Summit, I will do things a little bit differently, to be honest. One thing that would definitely change is I would try to check and do my research about the areas that I want to know more about. For example, in my case, is community, community building. And I'll try to pin down these companies and try to have conversations with these people directly. So that's definitely an advice that I give to you if you come to the Web Summit next year. And it's something that I will definitely follow if I get free tickets again. For me, at this point, it's not worth it to pay the 900 bucks. To be honest, it's not worth it. But if I get for free, for sure, take the advantage of that and come and use and have fun. Have fun. In the end, it's also an event to have fun and to meet other people in the tech world. That's it about the Web Summit. Now, let's speak about the Indie Lottery. We released or launched, let's say we did kind of a soft launch of the Indie Lottery in the beginning of, of the week on Monday. Things worked out correctly in terms of the product. The product was working fine. And uh, let me quickly tell you the positive things. I got great feedback. We got our, some people already um, uh, submitting their products. We got, surprisingly, some people sponsoring the Indie Lottery. We got already two more people, three more people actually paying for that, which I found super interesting because we are, we are still starting out. We don't have that much traffic, but people already, they want to sponsor. And by sponsoring now, they get seven days of being featured in the website and in the newsletter. They also give great discounts so that the it kind of entices the users to click in their products and to buy them. So that that's really positive. And uh, this gives me some encouragement because it makes me think that this is a great business because people are willing to pay without thinking too much you know coming from the community where i almost have to beg people to try it out and to pay for a sub subscription of 10 bucks having going to to this other business where people just pay 30 bucks without thinking twice it's really interesting it, it shows me that this is something that we are solving really a problem and uh, that people are willing to pay for it. With that said, we were expecting to have more people coming to the website, to have more traffic, and to get the viral loop going on. Unfortunately, that didn't fully happen. We did have some people coming to the website, but so far we're having like 10 to 15, 20 people every day coming to the website, plus 160 people opening our, um, our newsletter. It's not super bad but it's not amazing it's not like skyrocketing as we thought it would and we are trying to implement a few ideas a few marketing ideas to improve this one thing that we are doing is that we are offering some slots some sponsored slots to let's call them influencers on twitter so we offered one to dagobert where you can now by the way buy his course on the indie lottery with a discount this twitter course we offer um some to julian to a bunch of people that i met through the podcast as well and um, 
our our goal is that by sharing this, not only we'll have a great product with a discount that will attract more people, but as well, maybe these influencers will speak about our newsletter and our indie lottery to their audience. And this will bring more people and kind of increase the trust that people have on the lottery. Another strategy that we are doing, which I also find really interesting, is to give a slot of three days, a sponsor slot of three days to the winner of the Indie Lottery if they tweet about it. So if they tweet about winning the Indie Lottery, we give them a slot. This is something that we actually implemented today, so I can still not tell you if it's working or not. Actually, either of these strategies, I would need to, to wait maybe one, two more weeks to really tell you if they worked. But yeah, that's something that we are trying out. Besides that, we have our own Twitter account and doing the the classic marketing strategies, trying to speak with people, trying to convince people to come and add their products. But we are really trying to invest in the viral loop. And that's the last topic I wanted to speak with you today. I know the episode's already getting a little bit long, but I think this is really, really important. So if you haven't listened to my talk with Tony Dean that I released on Sunday, and I also released on YouTube, by the way, with video if you, if you like more to watch really the people speak, then you should do it. Because he speaks about this topic, which I found so fascinating. The viral loop. The viral loop is this concept that you implement something in your product that makes people share it with their friends. And you might think, okay, Tiago, what I can do is just like have a Twitter button and people can just click and tweet about it. That's not it. That's not the viral loop. The viral loop is something that for you, for your users to get the value out of the product, they need to share it with their friends. Let's take the example of, uh, I mean, Tony didn't spoke about this, but quickly a chat app, right? Like if you want to use a chat like Telegram, for me to take the advantage and the value of the Telegram, I need my friends to install it. So I need to share Telegram with my friends so that I can take advantage of that. The same with apps. Let's say, for example, a snapshot app, like a screenshot app, like Snapper that Tony Dean built. For, it's an app that is built for me to share things with my audience. It's an app that is built for me to share things on Twitter, on LinkedIn. So... For me, when I'm using this app, I'm sharing it with my audience. So if there's a little watermark with the app's name, I am basically showing and advertising the app for free. So that's, again, another viral loop. One thing that Tony Dean told me in that conversation, what I found really, really interesting is you should implement the viral loop when you give the most value to your user. So, for example, he gave the example of the Indie Lottery and he told me that I am giving the most value to the user when they win the lottery. And that's why he basically gave this idea of creating this, uh, basically giving something to the winner if they tweet. And that's what we are doing now. We are giving a slot if they tweet. So that's already the first idea of implementing a viral loop. And we just need to think more and more about that. We need to integrate sharing on Twitter, sharing on social network, and integrate that with the product and getting value from the product. This is crucial. This is crucial because we are indie makers. We are solopreneurs. We don't have a marketing team organizing basically workshops and, and thinking 
24-7 on new ideas to bring more clients. No, we are just us and we have so much shit to do, right? So we need to facilitate our life and, and make it easier for people to share. We need to use our own users as our marketing source. So for sure, more and more. And I, maybe this is the key. Maybe this is that key that is missing for my products. Maybe I need to think about viral loops before even, I, and I'll probably add this to my guide. I have this step-by-step -step guide to help people build their products. I probably will add this because it makes total sense. How am I implementing the viral loop in the community? Great question. You're always making the great questions. Thank you so much. I have been thinking a lot about that and I have, I'm trying now one strategy. So my strategy is the following. I, people in the community really like the gamification features. We have leaderboards for the number of domains you own, your MRR, your streak, everything. So I decided to create another leaderboard and I call it the top ambassadors, the top WB ambassadors. So I have a bot that checks Twitter for mentions of the WB space. And uh, if you mention the WB space, I increment the number of mentions. So basically what this little board shows is the people that are mentioning the WB space the most on Twitter. And in the end, if you win, you get a prize. So that's what I'm trying to do. By the end of November, I will give the prize to the person that mentions the WB the most on Twitter. And to facilitate this process, I will also create cool content generated in the community for people to share. One thing that I just tried is to create a world cloud, a word cloud from the street. So a lot of the members share their daily tasks in the Slack channel and I save those messages so now I can create world cl clouds really cool visualizations of their work and I send that to them so this is really interesting I tried sending that to a bunch of people they really enjoyed it so I'm trying also to create content that people can share on Twitter and at the same time they advance their their ranking in the leaderboard and it there therefore creates this loop that I hope to become a viral loop I just implemented this today. So I, again, will need to take a little bit more time to give you some input. So stay tuned because in the next episodes, I'll tell you how this goes. But that's basically it. That's what I'm trying to do with the community and with the Indie Lottery. This was a really long episode. I'm really sorry. I just, I, I felt that I needed to share all of this with you. I was so excited. But that's it. That's it for today's episode. This Thursday, there'll be a great, great interview that I've made with uh, Simon Euberg. He is the founder of FitHive, and he shared so many super interesting insights that I feel that you learn a lot, a lot from him. So tune in for that interview. Once again, if you want to support this podcast, if you want to see it grow, why not? contributing with a three dollars per month the link will be in the description and you'll really really mean the world to me besides that share this with your friends and send me a dm on twitter wb tiago i'm always there for you and if you have some questions you need support whatever if you just want to talk send me a message on twitter that's it this was another wannabe entrepreneur see you next time
Wanna be, wanna be, wanna be, wanna be, wanna be entrepreneur.